Hello, everyone. This is Two Cents Worth. I'm your host, Ryan DeFaber. This show, we talk about sports, fitness, and life. We talk about my life. We talk about my fitness journey. And we talk about my life in sports and my opinions on all those things. So sit back and relax and enjoy the show. It is that time of year again. <clears throat> Opening day for baseball is this week. It's exciting. I'm excited to, to have it. They are going to play full season. They are going to be um, in their home stadiums, except for Toronto. Toronto is not going to be in Canada just because of the restrictions due to COVID and crossing the border, etc. There's going to be fans in the stadium. There's going to be new players. There's going to be really stacked uh, pitching rotations. There's going to be teams that need to meet their expectations. And then there's going to be, what will Daniel Bard do? That is what I'm going to talk about today. My five things that I'm most excited about in Major League Baseball this coming year. They are not in any particular order, but here we go. Number one, fans back in the stadiums. So last year, obviously, they didn't really have fans in the stadiums until the World Series and I want to say the American League, no, the National League, because the National League played in Texas. The National League um, Championship Series, not the American League because they played out in San Diego, but last year, um, they only started allowing fans in in limited numbers, and at the end of it, it was around uh, the World Series, I think they allowed 28% um, capacity in uh, Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, home of the Rangers. That's where the World Series was held, where the Dodgers came out on top over the Tampa Bay Rays. But for this year, every single team will allow fans to start the season, and obviously these capacities will change and fluctuate as you know we work through the summer and towards in the fall. But there are teams that are allowing 100% capacity, and it fluctuates all the way down to 12% capacity, with a good amount of them ranging between 20 to 35% capacity. That's that's probably the average if you're looking at it. Of all the teams uh, I'm, I'm seeing here, is most of them are are starting off anywhere between 20 to 30, 35% capacity, um, and that might not sound like a lot. And in reality, you know, per the stadium, it isn't that much. But for these players, it is a lot. You know, to play in an empty stadium all last year, and you're still seeing it in certain sports. If you watch uh, soccer in Europe, most of the stadiums are empty. It's hard to get on board with it because it's almost like watching practice. Right, And it's hard to get up for the game when you don't have the fans cheering behind you. It's hard to have that home field advantage, which is extremely important. It can swing momentum you know, one way or the other. Um, and it's also, you know, when you have your opponent's fans, you know, egging you on and cheering against you, that can also be a motivating factor for you. So 
The fact that these stadiums are going to have fans in them, I think, is a huge boost, not only for Major League Baseball, but for these players. And again, you know, 20%, 25%, 30%, it doesn't sound like a lot. And for a lot of these stadiums, it really isn't. Like, for instance, just looking at the first team here, Arizona Diamondbacks, they're going to allow 25% capacity. That's only 12,000 fans. You know, that's usually what these guys are playing in spring training in a full-capacity stadium, um, you know, roughly. But, again, it's still 12,000 fans that are at the at the field that were not there last year. And you keep going through. You have the Braves, 13,000 fans. Um, you know, the Red Sox, that's going to be tough for the Red Sox. They, they are only allowing 12% capacity, which only in a smaller ballpark like Fenway that only puts in 4,500 fans. So, yes, the fans are going to be there. They will be cheering them on. 4,500 fans can get get you motivated and going, uh, but it's still going to be a little tough for the fact that it's just a smaller ballpark and only 4,000 fans in there. Um, won't be a lot, but... You know, the atmosphere and regardless, Fenway, same thing with Wrigley. Wrigley only is right now at 20% capacity and it's going to be 8,000 fans. So these smaller, older stadiums, they are going to be a little different than what you might see. And then you can go to Texas and the Rangers are having 100% capacity and Houston is having 50% capacity. So they're going to have quite a bit of of fans, Um, you know, which is also great to see. The Colorado Rockies, 42, theirs is interesting. Everyone else's is like a round number. Theirs is 42.6% capacity, but 42% capacity puts 21,000 fans in, in a stadium. That's awesome. You know, that's going to be great to to hear those fans cheering for that team and, and to be in that atmosphere will be fantastic, home or away, whether you're traveling as the away team or the home team. So that's the number one thing that I'm looking forward to is having the fans back in the stadium, hearing that cheering, you know, seeing the momentum shifts that come with, you know, fans cheering against you or for you. Uh, The one that's going to be most interesting is Toronto. They are going to play as of right now, and and I don't know if it's going to last the entire season. I would imagine probably unless something drastically changes. But Toronto is going to play in their spring training facility in uh, Florida for the time being. Um, and with that, they are only going to have 15% capacity. So I mentioned, um, Boston only allowing 4,000 fans in 15% capacity in TD ballpark in Florida is only 1,275 fans. (laughs) That's going to be that's going to be interesting. One, they're not going to be able to go play in their own stadium in Toronto. So, you know, you're going to have a limited amount of fans that cheer on Toronto in Florida to begin with. And now you're even reducing it even further down to a 15% capacity. I think that can really uh, – Toronto, talented club. I think they have really good young talent in their uh, lineup. But that could really uh, – I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what that's going to be like for them and if it's if it does create this huge disadvantage. It does say here, though, I am looking and, and I'm updating myself as I go through this. You know, I'm not, I wasn't researching Toronto per, per se, but it does say that the hope is that the Blue Jays will return to Rogers Center in Toronto for the second half of the season. So the hope is they can get to play in their home stadium for at least half the year. Um, 
and uh, we'll see what happens there. It says the capacity is going to be limited to 15% at their renovated facility, which seats 8,500 under normal circumstances. The Blue Jays president, Mark Shapiro, said February 18th that the team might move back to Salem Field in Buffalo, where the Jays played the majority of their home games last year, around June to avoid the heat and humidity in Florida. And then the hope is that they would go back to Toronto in the second half of the season. So this could be a very interesting season for Toronto. How is that going to affect the players? You know, last year was a shortened season. This is a full season, and they're going to potentially going to have to play in three different quote-unquote home ball ballparks, Florida, Buffalo, and Toronto. Um, a team that has some high expectations for this year and the coming years with their young talent that they have should be very interesting to see how they, they react to this. But regardless, fans are going to be back in every single stadium across Major League Baseball. And again, it ranges from 100% capacity with the Texas Rangers down to 12% capacity for um, a few teams like the Boston Red Sox. And then you have a team like Toronto who has to play in their spring training facility and they're only going to allow 15% capacity. So should be interesting to see how it is. But regardless, I'm excited that the fans get to be back in the stadium. That is a huge benefit for baseball, for fans, for people watching, for the players, and the overall atmosphere. Number two, Dodgers versus the Padres. I've never had so much hype and interest in the NL West than I do this year. Last year I had interest in it because of my buddy Daniel Bard returning to Major League Baseball and making the Rockies roster. This year I even have more interest in the NL West because of what the Dodgers and the Padres did in regards to um, free agent signings or trades as well as just going to battle it out. The Padres are not going to back down. The Dodgers, you know, um, World Series champions wanting to repeat. They finally got over that hump. They met their expectations. That lineup was extremely good. That pitching rotation was extremely good, and it got better. And what the Padres did, they made their rotation better. And their lineups are extremely good. Dodgers, a more experienced lineup, a team that knows how to now win a World Series. The Padres trying to learn that with with some older players like Will Myers and um, oh, I'm losing the first baseman's name. Oh boy, hold on, he's the guy from. Uh, come on, Ryan, use your brain, bro. Um, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. Eric Hosmer. He played for the Royals. Players like that. Uh, you got Manny Machado, another another guy that is a veteran. Fernando Tatis, another year in the in the majors, you know. So they have this great young talent. I'm excited to see what it's going to be like. But let's just look at the rotations of the Dodgers and the Padres. I'm going to start with the Dodgers because they made the biggest splash in the offseason in regards to signing free agent, uh, signing a free agent, and that was Trevor Bauer, 30 years old. And again, this is also what I'm going to look at for you guys too: is the ages. These rotations can be put, be put together for probably another couple more years. Until some of these guys might want bigger contracts and, you know, you might have to move one or two of them on. But this is how deep each of these rotations are. The Dodgers have five guys in the rotation and three guys that are going to be that kind of sixth man if they need it or just the guy to fill in in the rotation if somebody, you know, picks up an injury. But here's how they're, they're going to pan out right now. 
Trevor Bauer, 30 years old, the biggest pre-agent signing, coming off an uh, NL Cy Young Award-winning season with the Reds. Walker Bueller, he's 26 years old. If you watched him in the playoffs last year, the guy throws smoke. You got Clayton Kershaw, 33 years old. Yes, he's had some up-and-down seasons over the last couple years, but he's still that veteran in that rotation that can really, you know, you know, continue to solidify wins, and you put him in that middle of the rotation, which is where he's going to sit now. He's going to win games for you, you know, and and he had and he knows how to win games. You go into Julio Urias, 24 years old. And then Dustin May, they named him the fifth starter. If you know anything about the Dodgers or saw him last year, he's the guy with the huge red hair. Um, they compare him a lot to Noah Syndergaard of the Mets, just the guy that is tall, lean, and can throw absolute smoke. You know, topping out in the hundred, low hundreds, low hundreds, topping out around 100 probably, 101 maybe, just throwing absolute cheddar. David Price. He's in the he's in the rotation, not as a fifth fifth man. He he just got beat out by Dustin May. But you have David Price, you have Tony. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna mess up his last name, but Gonsolin. He challenged for the NL Rookie of the Year last year. He didn't even make the rotation. He pitched a lot in the playoffs last year. If you if you watch the Dodgers at all, and then they signed Jimmy Nelson this past year. He's a veteran. He's 31. Tony is 26. David Price 35. The Dodgers have. Eight starters right now that could fit into that rotation. You have guys like David Price, who's won Cy Youngs before, he's won World Series, just an absolute, you know, veteran monster out there that can be a guy that you just plug into a rotation. The fact that he's now moving to the, the bullpen just shows you how deep the Dodgers rotation is. Now let's go to the Padres. Padres, they don't have the power names from top to bottom as the Dodgers, Dodgers do. But they have extremely, really good talent. And they signed two top pitchers to start the top of their rotation. Hugh Darvish came over from the Cubs. He's 34 years old, proven. Really good player, really good pitcher. He's going to be able to be that top of that rotation that they need. And if it's not him, it's going to be Blake Snell sitting there down there as their number two starter. They got him from the Rays. Denelson Lamont, he was... Going to be their starter, picked up an picked up an sorry, going to be their starter. He was going to be their opening day starter, picked up an injury. But last year in 2020, the shortened season, he had a 2.09 ERA. He's 28 years old. Blake Snell's 28 years old. You Darvish is 34. He's the oldest of this rotation. But they have a very young rotation. If you look at the Dodgers, their top five guys are 30, 26, 33, 24, 23. Young, right? And and you have that experience of Clay, Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Bauer, and now I think Walker Bueller with a couple years under his belt as well. And now you go to the Padres, you got Yu Darvish, been in the league quite a while, 34. Blake Snell, proven, 28. Denelson Lamont, 28. Joe Musgrove, he's 28. Chris Paddock, who is their 2020 opening day starter right now, is slotted to be their fifth starter. He's 25. And then you have Adrian Morejon, he's 22 out of Cuba. He's going to be the fifth starter right now since Denelson uh, is on the, um, what they're calling the uh, the day-to-day list. But right now, they have him slotted in to be that fifth or sixth rotation guy. And not to mention, 
They got Mike Clevenger last year from the Indians. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Right now he's on the 60-day DL, or IL. Sorry, I don't call it the DL anymore. I have to remember that. It's not the designated list. It's the injury list. But Mike Clevenger, Tommy John surgery, he'll come back stronger. He's proven. I mean, the Padres have a good rotation. Again, it's not the big names or or even names that are, I think, um, recognizable if you're not a fan of just overall baseball. You might have seen, like I said, Dustin May for the Dodgers just because of his big red hair. You know the names of like David Price, Walker Bueller, you know, not only is a great pitcher, but he also made the headlines with how he wore very tight pants, but that's what he always does. So I'm really interested to see how the Padres and Dodgers face off this year out in the NL West and their lineups as well. You know, the Dodgers, you know what their lineup is. It's a powerful lineup. It's a proven lineup. It's won a World Series lineup. And now you have the San Diego Padres who went deep in the playoffs last year and have a good mix of veterans, younger veterans, and then players that are up and coming that are extremely exciting for baseball. So if I'm looking at that right now, that's my number two thing is is Dodgers versus Padres. How is that going to pan out for the NL? I think the Dodgers are still going to edge them out this year, if, if I'd be honest with you. I think the NL West is going to go to the Dodgers, and I think the Dodgers are arguably, if not the best team in baseball again. But that's where I would see that one. Number three, the Mets. The New York Mets, as a Yankee fan, the second team in New York. But I look at the Mets and I say, they made some moves. They're looking at a new ownership group. They brought in some good players. They've firmed up more of their rotation, as well as bringing in Francisco Lindor from the Indians. Can the Mets outdo the Atlanta Braves this year? Can the Mets meet expectations of the money that has been spent on this team and this rotation and some of these players, can they do that and actually win the NL East? Let me tell you their starting rotation because I'm, I'm big into the pitching right now because you have to remember, if I look at it and you look at the last winners and what always gets me and where we're going to get on number four is hitting's great. Hitting can win you a lot of games, but let me tell you something. Pitching in the playoffs and the World Series is what wins. That is what it is. You saw it last year with the Dodgers and the Rays. When they took out Snell and brought in their relievers, the Dodgers were able to outdo them in regards to pitching and hitting. And that is what it comes down to in baseball is pitching and defense. I hate to say it. It sounds boring. It sounds, you know... Everyone loves the long ball and the home run and the big hits and the exciting and the a lot of runs. But let me tell you, pitching and defense will win you games. I even tell our Little League team that. You know, we didn't hit as well in our first game the other day, but our defense was better than the other team. And we don't have any pitching. But our defense was better than the other team, and it kept us in the game. Yes, we lost 6-5, to five, but... They only scored their runs basically in the first inning. We didn't. And then from there, our defense just stepped up and played really good. It goes all the way down to that level. Defense wins games. Pitching wins games. Pitching wins championships. Look at what it did for the uh, the Giants there in the mid-early 2000s when they were winning World Series after World Series You know, every other year. It was their defense and pitching. It wasn't these big hitters they had. So can the Mets win the NL East? Let's look at their rotation, okay? 
Because again, it it matches up great with the Dodgers and the Padres. Jacob Degrom, hate to say it, because he's on the Mets, but arguably the best pitcher in baseball. Hard to argue against it. The guy is unbelievable. Just the the fact that he can put up insane. Again, I'm just gonna say it. It it just comes down to. Pitching, they they've struggled. The Mets have always struggled with with uh, hitting, right? Now they're getting better at it with Alonzo, and now they're going to have Lindor and some of these other players that are coming in. But Jacob Degrom's ERA year over year is unbelievable. Like last year, the Mets, a team that went, I don't even know what they went last year. Doesn't matter. He went four and two with a two point three eight ERA. I mean, outstanding. Uh, ERA 2.38 as a starter. He had 104 strikeouts. He was seventh in ERA in the NL, second in K's, and four and two. He was tied for 37th um, as a pitcher. But again, last season, I don't, I don't really look at that. But let me look at, let me tell you what his career ERA is. The guy gets people out. He has played for. Oh, what do they show here? 2014 was his first season. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 2020 is still a half a year, but seven years. This will be his eighth year. His ERA, career ERA is 2.61. On a team that doesn't really win that many games. I mean, if you look at it, his winning percentage is only a little over 500. He's 0.579. Career-wise, he is 70 wins, 51 losses, but with a 2.61 ERA. In 2018, he had he went 10 and 9 with a 1.7 ERA. He started 32 games. He went 10 and 9. <laughs> he pitched 217 innings. It was the most innings he's pitched his entire career. He had a 1.7 ERA. He went 10 and 9. That shows you how poor the hitting was for the Mets. And yet he could still do that. I mean, they were winning, they were losing games like 2-1, obviously, or 1-0. You know, with a 1.7 ERA, the guy's only given up, you know, one to one point one to two runs a game that he's pitching. So you got Jacob DeGrom, he's 32 years old. They picked up Carlos Carrasco from the Indians, 34 years old. Marcus Stroman, they picked up his um his contract again for this year out of Toronto. They got him two years ago in a trade, 29. Um, Tejuan Walker, 28, David Peterson, 25, and not to mention, I mentioned his name earlier, he's another pitcher like Mike Clevenger coming off a Tani John surgery. He's supposed to be available back in, uh, coming up in June, but Noah Syndergaard. DeGrom, Carrasco, Stroman, Walker, Peterson, Syndergaard. That's a pretty good rotation to have, um, and I'm excited to see if the Mets will actually be able to get over that hump and win the NL East. Can they take down the Baby Braves? And which I don't know if you can call the Baby Braves anymore. I mean, Braves are a proven team; they're a playoff team. It's theirs to lose, uh, and will be very interesting to see how the NL East pans out this year. Can't r- rule out the Marlins because of how well they did in that shortened season last year. The Nationals will be tough. I don't think they're, I mean, they have good pitching, but I just don't think they have the overall team that they need. I think it's going to come down to the Mets and the the Braves and the NL East. So very interesting to see how that works and, and pans out. Number four, 
my New York Yankees. Will my New York Yankees finally meet their expectations? I want to say yes, and it really all comes down to health. They have had so many injuries over the last two years. You know, I need to see Aaron Judge. I need to see Giancarlo Stanton have games played. I need to see them on the field playing. They are hurt so much over the last two seasons. It's just so difficult to really get an idea of, you know, will this team be able to meet their expectations finally, which is to win a World Series. I mean, that's the expectation. Let's be honest. You know, and right now you're looking at it and I have it pulled up. You know, Aaron Judge right now, day to day. Luke Voigt, he just got put put on the um, he's not on the IL, but day to day injured. Miguel Andahar, day to day. Mike Tochman, day to day. Uh Araldus Chapman right now is suspended. Um Justin Wilson, one of our relievers, he's on the 10-day IL. Uh, so, you know, the injuries pile themselves up, and I think Aaron Boone does a really good job of managing that team at a disadvantage every single year. And I, I know people that aren't Yankee fans are going to sit there and be like, oh, shut up, crybaby, you know, you know, woe is me. We have one of the highest payrolls in baseball, you know, and so what if he has to deal with the fact that, you know, some of these players haven't been playing and, you know, People enjoy watching the Yankees lose. I know it. I'm not stupid. But let me tell you something. I just want to see these guys finally meet the expectations. We re-signed DJ LeMahieu, which was fantastic. We brought in pitchers like Corey Kluber, Jamison Talion. You know, Domingo Hermain is coming back from his suspension. And, you know, hopefully he learned his lesson in, um, you know, how to actually act as a decent human being and can, you know, put it back out on the field. Clint Frazier's going to take over in left field for Brett Gardner, but we brought Brett Gardner back to be that guy, that that uh, veteran in the locker room and a guy that can come in and play any of the outfield positions or even be a DH if it needed to be. You know, Still has that speed. Speed doesn't slump. But will the Yankees finally meet their expectations? Their rotation, Garrett Cole, Corey Kluber, Jamison Talion, Jordan Montgomery, Domingo Hermain, it's a pretty good rotation for the fact that they still are waiting for. Um, oh boy, he's been hurt for so long too. Again, let me just another guy, Luis Servino, sixty day IL still. Um, you know, will he be able to come back? Two three years ago, he was our number one starter. Now he hasn't pitched in I want to say over a year. You know, he's just coming. Injury after injury for him, unfortunately. He's only been in the league five seasons. He's 27 years old. Can he make it back and make that rotation? That would be great because I, I, we need to have that depth for that rotation. And, and I'm, I'm very interested to see how the Yankees will do. Will they get over that hump? Will they be able to finally make it to a World Series? Let's not... Yes, the expectation is going to be win the World Series. I just want them right now, and I'm not lowering my expectations. Every single year as a Yankee fan, you expect to win the World Series, whether they do or not. But I just want them to make it to the World Series. I just want them to prove to me that they can get through the playoffs 
and be that best team in the AL that they constantly say that they are. And, you know, if you look at lineup-wise, should be, when you look at how well they hit throughout the entire year. And then again, we're talking about playoffs. It's the pitching. It's the rotation. It's the depth of the pitching. The hitting will slump every once in a while. And when it does, your pitching needs to step up. And that's where they've struggled in, in regards to the playoffs. So will the Yankees finally meet their expectations? That's number four. Number five, I talked about him already twice. I've had him on the podcast. You can go check it out. Previous episodes, one of the first episodes. This is when he was out of baseball. Him and I spoke. My buddy, Daniel Bard, I've known Daniel for 20 years. Went to high school with him. We played travel ball together. I have played a lot of baseball with this guy. I'm extremely proud of the fact that he has been able to fight off seven years of trying to figure out basically how to be that pitcher that he once was with the Boston Red Sox. He made it back last year with the Colorado Rockies, was named NL Comeback Player of the Year. He's on the road. He's on the team again. Um, again, going back to the NL West, extremely excited to watch the NL West. I, I really want to see how this is all going to pan out. I, I love Daniel. I don't know if the Rockies are going to be able to um, compete against you know the likes of the Padres and the Dodgers, but closing pitcher, I saw them. The, I follow the Rockies on Instagram the other day. They posted him last three pitches of an inning, 97, 98, 99. Guy's still throwing absolute just smoke at, I want to say Daniel's younger than me. Yeah, he is. He's a year younger than me in regards to age. 35 years old, throwing 99 miles an hour. Um, just really excited to see what type of season he has this year. Again, it's a full season. I'm really proud of him. And I'm really interested to see how he fares against some of these powerhouses like the Dodgers and the Padres. It's going to be fun. You know, I want to see him get up there and pitch against you know, the likes of the Manny Machados and the Fernando Tatis Juniors and Mookie Betts and and see, in all honesty, see them, smoke them, you know, strike them out, mow them down, whatever you want to say. I'm so pumped to see Daniel get to play for an entire season again and continue to live out his dream and, and do an awesome job at it and be extremely humbled like he has been. And, and for his entire career, you know, again, I've known Daniel for 20 years and he's never walked around puffing his chest out. Um, you know, he's the same guy that I've known since I was 16 years old. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really cool to see somebody like that, you know, an extremely successful player, uh, an incredible athlete, um, to be as humble as he is and thankful for everything that he's gotten and to watch him succeed is it makes you as a friend really proud to see somebody like that. Cause you know, if anybody deserves it and deserves to, to make a comeback and, and, you know, live out his dream, it, it is him. And, and I'm really excited to see how he can follow up from his NL comeback player of the year status from last year. It's a tough, tough one to follow up, but I think, and I know he can do it, and I'm really excited about that. So those are my five things, my five stories, five topics, whatever you want to call it, my five things I'm most excited about in the return for opening day and baseball season. Fans back in the stadiums, what is it going to be like with the Dodgers versus the Padres? 
Can the Mets win the NL East and dethrone the Braves? Will the Yankees finally meet their expectations and make it and potentially win a World Series? And what will my friend Daniel Bard do this year? And what type of season will he have with the Colorado Rockies against that powerhouse NL West? It's going to be an awesome season. There's going to be, you know, interesting times, obviously, as we always do, as we're dealing with COVID still, you know, what does that look like in regards to travel and their families and all the things that come about it and, you know, spikes and people and players potentially testing positive. What is it going to look like throughout this season? It's going to be very interesting, but extremely exciting. I'm excited. I hope you are all excited. I hope you can hear it in my voice because that's how I sound right now is exactly how I feel on the inside. I'm really excited for this season to start. Thursday, April 1st, my Yankees play at 1, I want to say, 1 o'clock against Toronto. And I think Toronto actually has to come up to New York. Uh, game will be on ESPN. So I will certainly be having that on in the background while I work on silent, of course. But just so I mean to kind of just pick my head up here and there and just check out what we're looking at. But Major League Baseball, it is back Thursday, April 1st. Oh boy, it's going to be a fun, fun season. Uh, Hyunjun Roo versus Garrett Cole. There it is. ESPN 105 PM, New York and Toronto. And here we go. This is another one I'm going to follow it up right back up with. Dodgers at the Rockies, 410 on ESPN. Will my buddy Daniel Bard play in the first game? Will the Rockies be able to give him a lead so he can come in and close out that game? I'm going to sit and watch it. I'm excited. I hope you all are. Baseball's back. Spring is back. Summer's on the horizon. Good times ahead. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Thank you.